0: welcome back to the hex drinkers podcast it's episode i literally just said oh 19. 19 uh yeah 19 there we go there we go next week's 20 that was that was the only reason i knew that i'm julian i'm joined by eric hello oak howdy and chef Yup. and we are a longtime play group during the multiverse in the hopes of leveling up both our game and yours and of course As always, we have another very exciting topic to discuss because, uh, if you haven't noticed as magic, you know, continues to progress, they, uh, they do this thing where they release more cards. They, they put out more sets. Um, yeah, which is really nice because, you know, if we had only a few sets, we'd probably get bored, but they, uh. They've decided that they just want to release a bunch of new sets, so we're going to be talking about said new set, and we might even be doing some prime picks, and I don't know why I said might, because that's literally what we're going to do. Uh, I was just trying to get cute there, and I really, I'm sorry, I just, I let everyone down, but uh, new set, it's called Strixhaven, Uh, I think there's words that come after Strixhaven, but we're just going to call it Strixhaven, Um, and Strixhaven is basically harry potter i think we could say this was probably they just didn't get the uh they didn't get the licensing for the ip so they were like well i guess we gotta i guess we gotta do our own thing but uh yeah strixhaven is the most fantabulous school in the multiverse and uh it's where everyone goes to learn all the best magics and be the very best like no one ever was before I think it really hits home for a lot of us because we all we all just got out of college, so it's kind of reliving those glory days. So, Strixhaven, big old college located on the plain of Arcavios, which uh, I don't know how much we get in terms of lore. We haven't really read the story that much yet, but I don't know if there's a lot of things going on outside the college on Arkavios. But seems like a cool plane.
1: There's a there's a couple of Planeswalker guides already that kind of go into you know the the areas around like the structure because there is settlements and stuff outside of the college i will admit to just glancing over those because there was a lot of words and my brain is small but it seems like there is enough lore for people that want to dive into it back on the mothership
0: i think probably the coolest thing that i've i guess hasn't been confirmed or whatever but is that strixhaven uh, unlike a lot of the other planes in the multiverse strixhaven is uh it is known and accepted and even embraced that the multiverse exists and that planeswalkers are like a thing Whereas most of the other planes that we've been on, you know, the Planeswalkers will show up and people will be like, whoa, who are you? What is this? What do you mean there's other dimensions? You know, that sort of thing. But on Strixhaven, I guess because they're like the smart guys, you know, they're like going to the the Ivy League of the multiverse. They're like, ah, we, we got it. But anyway, Strixhaven um, is the overall school and then the school is broken down into five different colleges. So like if you went to a university in the United States or across the world or whatever. And then there might be the engineering school and the, uh, you know, social sciences school and the humanities school or whatever. There are five different colleges within Strixhaven. Uh, and they are all of the enemy color pairs. So we're excited to see enemy color pair support coming back because, uh, just as it happens, allies, allied color pairs generally get, uh, more love. So throw, throw a little love to the enemy color, uh, enemy colored pairs. Name them all, um, Julian go. The, The The original, like the colleges. Oh, there's Witherbloom. There is Silverquill. There's Prismari, There's Quandrix, and there's Lorehold.
1: Ooh, very nice.
0: And I realized that I should have like actually been like, oh, this is this. So Witherbloom is black, (laughs) black green. uh, I was pretty sure you mess
2: up one. That's that's why. If you didn't guess that one, that's that's the most obvious of them. Witherbloom, black. Of course.
0: Well, we'll we'll go through it. Witherbloom is the black green. Formerly Golgari, but uh, now Witherbloom. That that is another thing, is that although these color pairs have had a pretty strong color identity in the past of what these two color pairs want to do from the Ravnica sets and stuff, uh, Wizards is attempting, and I guess we'll get into how much they succeeded, to sort of stay on theme for the colors, stay within the color pie, but define a slightly different characteristic for these just to keep things nice which is cool i think that's that's cool that they're still trying to advance that as, a, as opposed to just phoning it in you know what i mean so with a bloom these are the <laughs> uh the 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 goth bio majors that is a uh, how i would like to describe them there is prismari which is the red and blue these are the uh theater kids um so they are of course a lot of instance and sorcery stuff and then they also have a bit of artifacts, which I kind of interpret as like, I guess they're doing arts and crafts and stuff. We're um, <laughs> like making, making sets for plays.
2: Look what uh, I mean, man. So, it's a treasure. I think they're, they're all about art sort of even like, not just theater, but like all kinds of art. Yeah. yeah. Right. The yeah. I guess art. there's,
0: there's a lot of like in, in naming and flavor text and art. There's a lot of like, or yeah, there's like a lot of like music and like artisans and like painters and that, you know, that sort of stuff and, and play people. So, theater people. So, that's the Prismari. Um there is uh Silver Quill, which is I think the official tagline is there, the College of Eloquence. Um so basically these are uh like public speaking, um like poetry, and then uh, ba- basically what I what I what I determined was uh Silver Quill is the College of Beat Poetry and Battle Rapping, which I think is pretty cool. Basically just like yeah, using your words to these are like the pre-law people, you know. They would they would be doing that sort of thing.
2: They're also black white, which is fitting with pre-law and sort of the, yes. the like legal yes. rigorousness yeah. we've seen.
0: Exactly, one hundred percent. Yeah, and in using the, they're like they're like we we don't have to throw a fireball at you. We'll just get you caught up in the minutia and the words, and we'll just run circles around you like that. Uh, then there is Quandrix, which is green blue. Those are the math majors slash I guess engineering. They do. Honestly, they kind of do typical simic things, but with math overtones. Because, sure, I guess. I think they're the one that's
1: like closest in identity to what we've seen before. Like they they try some new stuff, but I think all the other colleges have a more unique take on their previous abilities.
0: Yeah, I, I kind of I kind of chalk that up to I guess like across different cultures and whatever. Like art's different, and these other things you know they vary, but like math is always just math.
1: Oh, that's a good way of looking at it. Yeah, math and science are absolute. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just like, that's it is what it cool. is.
0: So Simic, Simic is always going to do counters and rampy things and draw cards, and it's always going to be busted, and I'm always going to hate on it. Eric is always going to be upset when I hate on it. Um, but That's, that's mostly pretty, how I feel about math, standard. too.
1: It explains too much. Yeah, honestly, It's too much math. like sorcery. So annoying. Mm-hmm. It's, I can it's just too cool.
0: I wouldn't say cool. You guys aren't cool enough for math. And then the, uh, the last one is Lorehold, which is the red-white. I personally think is most exciting just because of how different it is from... What red white has been established to do, and uh, lorehold is the college of like basically archaeology. Basically, like every student in lorehold is like a mini Indiana Jones. They're doing like a lot of history stuff, archaeology stuff, and like adventuring sort of stuff. And there's also a a heavy tie with like spirits. I'm assuming that's kind of from the digging up the past thing, and not any actual uh, communions with the dead, but
2: yeah I wonder if Julian identifies with the college where he believes everyone in it gets to be Indiana Jones. I wonder if he feels sort
0: of <laughs> I'm sensing I'm sensing some interest I, I have a feeling we might we might talk about that later. so but anyway, yeah, so one overarching university uh, that spans five colleges, and of course, there's plenty of friendly uh rivalries between all of these uh, schools and there's other things about the college that are. That they've Wizards has done a good job of fleshing out, but I'm not gonna go into here. I think probably the most interesting thing is their take on basically Quidditch, but I actually think it's better than Quidditch. But maybe that maybe that'll be a that'll be something for a different day. But of course, this is a set. There are cards to back up the lore, and with those cards, there is a set of new mechanics that are thematically relevant to Strixhaven. So why don't we talk about those mechanics? So there's three big ones to cover. Uh, first one is going to be Magecraft,
3: and this is probably my favorite of the three I'm going to be talking about. Maybe I should have saved that one for last. <laughs> but it is a creature uh, keyword ability where whenever you cast or copy an instant or sorcery, you get to do X. So, very reminiscent of Prowess, but a lot more flexible, uh, in my opinion. And also, uh, we don't see the whole bustedness of, you know, like Prowess was all non-creature spells. So they made this a little less abusable by making it so you can't just play Mox Ruby, Mox Emerald, <laughs> load, you know, <laughs> et cetera, et cetera, and make a bunch of monks. <coughs> Sorry, uh, I'm having some flashbacks. Second ability we're going to cover. Well, sort of two keywords merged into one. Uh, that is lessons or the learn mechanic. So the idea is that you have these cards with a... This is like a this is like a sub-subtype. It's like, it doesn't count for Tarmogoyf, but it is like... It is a specific keyword um, that'll appear on various cards. Uh, it'll be like an instant lesson or sorcery lesson, etc. What makes these cards special is that there are other cards with the keyword learn that when you cast them and resolve the learn trigger, you get to choose one of two things to do. You get to either discard a card and draw one. It's a little reverse loot. That's pretty nice. But. Uh, what you can also do is take a lesson-type card from your sideboard and put it into your hand. So, very interesting. Um, I, li- I like how it's kind of like you can either take the guaranteed, like you know what the card is, uh, card advantage, or you can go for like a, well, it's not really Hail, Hail Mary, it's just one card, but you know, um, just do a little reverse loop. Uh, the last ability we have here is Ward, which is a lot like Hexproof, um, but it's more of a conditional Hexproof, kind of like a tax. Any permanent with the Ward keyword, well, it'll it'll be like Ward Eight or Ward Pay Three Life or something like that, and it it kind of acts like Hexproof in the fa- in the sense that whatever permanent uh, can't be the target of spells or abilities your opponent controls unless they pay that whatever the cost is. So. Um, Mechanically, it is a little bit less powerful than Hexproof, but uh, I think it's better designed.
1: So w- one of the the interesting things about it is it's not it's not a cost an additional cost to playing a spell that might make more sense on like MTG Arena and stuff. The spell that targets the permanent that has Ward is countered unless that person pays a new ability, which is a really like I I appreciate design that doesn't necessarily think of digital first, but it is interesting. Like we've seen a lot of abilities like that are now, you know, the additional cost to target this creature is pay three life. And here we have it, it's counters unless you pay three life after that point. So I, I don't know if there's shenanigans that can be had because of that, um, but it is worth mentioning that it is a little bit more clicky on Arena
2: than you might be used to with, like, Terror of the Peaks or whatever. There are a, a number of uncounterable spells where this might apply, and I, I think that's Ooh, pretty interesting. That is, it, that is just really like, interesting. I think I won't pay the ward cost and I'm, I'm still going to get you.
1: Yeah, no, there you go. <laughs> We've solved it.
2: Yeah, you just hit him with the abrupt decay, and then you get blown out.
3: <laughs> the thing I like about this fact is that you can still cast the spell, so you can still, like, get a Magecraft trigger, for example, or, like, a Prowse trigger or whatever, um, even if it does end up getting countered. so Yeah, no, that's probably, that that's probably that's probably it as
1: well. You know, to make everything work with the, the set mechanics, we still get the points for it. Activate your own Magecraft and that sort of thing. I also think... Um, well it's it's interesting from the the lessons that that you mentioned looking over some of them and we'll we'll go into our favorites in a bit but it's they all seem like answers which which makes me think like it's wizards kind of taking another step in the design of okay you know we have modal dual face cards to kind of deal with you know any mana issues and now we're cleaning that up a little bit now we have a card that can pull anything you want from the sideboard and so you don't really have to sideboard those cards in because they're just your wishboard always and the the worst case is you just get to reverse loot on a card and not a lot of the cards with learn are too overcosted for that ability so i think we're just seeing another way of trying to smooth out these areas where on digital first games we don't have those kind of hiccups
0: i agree chev i think although lessons and learn is probably going to be a specific mainly limited mechanic Mm -hmm. i think that It's a really good design space in the ability of, like, balancing. Okay, you can have these sort of silver bullet things, but they're not the most efficient, but I think they're still reasonably costed, like you said. They're not, like, just, you know, disgustingly overcosted. So you can have access to these, but now, are you willing to trade sideboard space, especially if you're playing best of three sort of things? Another thing that I think we should mention, this is not uh, specifically a mechanic of the set, but... It appears to be sort of just a an evergreen sort of thing. There are MDFCs in this set now, and we have expanded to cards that are permanents on one side and spells on spells, the other, yep. um, as well as I think there are a few that are creatures and creatures on the back um, or something we like that. We got a that. creature
2: but- planeswalker.
0: There mm-hmm. is a creature Planeswalker. Yeah, so planeswalker, we've, planeswalker. We, Wizard ha, Wizards has established that they will do literally whatever they want with these MDFCs in terms of the typings um, and the combinations of typings. Which is cool that they're not limiting themselves, but also I hope nothing bad happens.
2: I don't think anything will. None of the stuff they've printed seems like it would be busted because it's an MDFC. So one of the things, I, I was
1: going to bring this up in a little bit, but it seems like a good time for it. Um, there is one thing that I don't like so much about uh, MDFCs. For the most part, huge fan. But recently, we've seen like with these legendary creature on legendary creatures, specifically talking about the deans, which are um, each college in Strixhaven has a dean card, uh, where it's one dean on each side of the card for each of the the college's colors. We we saw you know creature on creature with the the Caldheim gods, some of them. Where the creature was like a familiar of the god or a relic related to the god. But these are completely different creatures. And generally they synergize. Not always though. And it it is interesting and I guess at the end of the day I'm torn on whether or not I like this versus if these same cards had been printed in a non-standard legal set if they had partners with So this is the thing we saw from Battle Bond, where like the Deans must go together. Because I was looking at some of these Deans and like building a deck around them in Commander. And it's like, okay, either I want to play one side all the time. Or it's like, if I have to pay the Commander tax for the other one, it doesn't feel like they're working together. Since they're two completely separate entities. It's not like two sides of the same coin. So I have to think like, if these cards existed in a set that wasn't so beholden to standard rules, we'd see more of the like, yeah, these are both, you know, partners that work together. And I guess like I'm 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 torn on whether or not I like that this isn't built specifically with Commander in mind. That is one of the things we've seen in a couple things like lessons and Wishboard and stuff don't work in Commander. And here this is like a little more more janky with Commander. But it definitely has me feeling like oh man, you know I want to play one side all the time, so I feel bad about the other one. And then it's just kind of like the back of it could have been a, a standard Magic back, and I wouldn't have
0: cared. I think I think you might be right that partners with might be stretching a little bit too far into the edh space but i'm also wondering if it was just a well we only have so many slots for cards in this Mm. set we only have Mm -hmm. so many rare slots and also there are an additional 63 cards that they're trying to ship with this product that might be taking up those spaces that would be used for splitting the deans up do you want to give us a little little rundown on these these guys that snuck in so what uh what, what Julian's
1: referring to is the the mystical archive. So something that he mentioned earlier when explaining the plane is that they have this idea of the greater multiverse. And that's from um, this building on campus, the campus library called the Biblioplex. And it has spells from all over the multiverse collected by various planeswalkers and other entities and stored there it is the, the kind of idea. And what that means is in every pack of strict saving cards there is going to be one of these alternate cards that is a signature spell from uh magic's history now i'm going to say a bunch of numbers really fast uh so if i if i jump over anything one of you guys hopefully stop me but basically there's there's 63 cards 18 of them are uncommons cards that are currently standard legal um but given a kind of like fresh coat of paint looks snazzy because um these are all coming to arena as well and except for five are going to be legal and historic Uh, there's 30 rares and 15 mythics now you will find one in each set and draft booster which means they can be used for limited which is something super cool and we get to kind of play with more different cards in collector's packs you're guaranteed three or up to five there's two of these that are going to be foil etched in every collector's pack and one of those is going to be a dedicated Uncommon, and the other one is a dedicated Rare Mythic. And in collector's packs, one of those two is going to be Japanese. Now, the reason that the Japanese thing is important is because the Japanese cards, like we saw with the War of the Spark Planeswalkers, have completely different arts. And these t- this time around, the arts are much more old school Japanese art like you'd see in museums or 18th century and those kind of really historic looking feel to them as opposed to a lot of the Planeswalkers that were more kind of anime focused. There are a few that kind of bridge the gap, but it definitely has a more classical classical,
0: Jinx. yeah. Mm.
1: So these are another version. Um, they're going to be in all co- collectors boosters. You have a chance of getting them 50% of the time in Japanese set and draft boosters as opposed to just a regular looking mythic Uh, mystical archive card that just isn't Japanese text because those also exist. Japanese packs will be made available worldwide. And so it's a lot of like, they they have to put out entire graphics on um, magicwizards.com or whatever to explain how all this works because it is insane. I think the, the things to keep in mind are it's going to be fun to open these packs and draft and sets more so than it could be in the past because these are taking up a common spot. Or no, I think the basic land spot. There are no basic lands in set boosters or draft boosters. So you get to see these cool cards, cool art. There's a good chance of getting something snazzy and fancy. Um, And then in collector's boosters, we probably have the most value we've ever seen because these slots are, you're getting three up to five classic spells from Magic. Some of them are dedicated rares or mythics, which means they're probably going to be useful in Commander. And at least one of them is going to have the cool Japanese art, as opposed to just being full of full art's shiny whatever
2: uh people are getting kind of tired of it but overall they're awesome quick question chev uh i know you said that you have to look at entire graphics to understand this so i'm hoping you have looked at those graphics and can answer (laughs) my question here you mentioned rarity of things a lot um in terms of uncommons rares mythics Mm -hmm. uh does that affect the rate at which these cards show up okay yes so So rares will show up like rares mythics will show up like mythics
1: yep I think you're more likely to get rares in Mythics, obviously, than you would in anything else. So don't think of it too much like that because, you know, the bulk of the cards available are rares and Mythics. And I think the difference between getting an uncommon and a rare is like 10% or something. Mythics okay. might be like 15% of the time, rares like 30, and then uncommon's 40 or something like that. So you will see a fair number of these. Well, that doesn't
0: uh, add up to a hundred at all. Just
2: math. Sometimes Go you don't get guess. one, Julian, because you've been a bad boy this year.
1: Uh, <laughs> but, but it is like you style. are, you are like probably, I think, half likely to get rares or mythics. Um, okay. All right. Good to know. Except of course, in collector's boosters, where there's one dedicated spot to a rare or mythic etched arcane mystical archive. There's one spot that can be any rare in the set, which could also be a mystical archive. And there's a third spot that's dedicated uncommon that has a 50% chance of being a Japanese uncommon mystical archive. It's nuts.
2: Could I politely ask them to make none of my cards foil so that I can play them?
1: Well, the etched foils, remember, these are the things we saw in (laughs) Commander Legends that actually look kind of nice. These are the ones that aren't shiny with the the hard-to-read text on them that we saw when we did the draft. They are a little bit better. That being said, we've seen no images yet Of what these the treatment on the mystical archives looks like, which is kind of interesting. If you go to like Card Kingdom or Star City, the spots for where those cards are just says image not available, and they haven't been released yet. So I wonder if it it does look somewhat a little bit different. But yes, in collector
2: boosters, half of the ones are dedicated foils. So keep that in mind. Nice. I just want to see them. I want to see a photo of them a week out in a room, just laying flat on a table, and I want to know if they're flat. That's that's my dominant question. (laughs) Just sleeve that bad boy, you'll be good. But but I think that's
1: enough enough about the Mystical Archive. Uh, I'd rather go into some more interesting takes, the hot takes of the crew in our Prime Picks. Of course, our most classic segment, because it's the one that we write notes for, the easiest.
0: Well, Strixhaven is coming out on, I believe, April 15th or 16th?
1: 15th is the pre-release, so that's when it's coming to Arena, and the paper set is releasing the 23rd.
0: All right. Well, anyway, it's coming pretty soon. And you know that when a new set comes, the boys got to do a pre release. Pre releases, limited format. So we're probably going to be dealing with some commons and uncommons, would you say? So what are you guys most looking to uh, open up in your pack so that you can absolutely dominate the rest of the crew?
3: Mine's real quick. I mean, it's so simple, but so, so good. My limited pick is a common. It is uh, five mana, three generic, uh, one red and one white. The lovely relic sloth. Um, it is a nice four, four body with two of the best keywords. I think in the, in limited, it's got vigilance and menace, which is just incredible. Um, and it's, it's so easy to splash. Um, if you're already in either red or white, uh, just because it's only got that. It'll only have that one off color, uh, mana pit. So I'm definitely going to be keeping my eyes peeled for relic sloth. And I'm sure I'll be playing a lot of red and white anyways. Uh,
1: for this. Yeah, that's that's really interesting, especially because this pre-release, like we've seen in the Ravnica ones, it's five boosters and a seeded booster for the college you pick. So I, I don't think we've gotten specific word on what will be in there. I'm assuming we're going to get the, the cycle of scry lands of the enemy colors um, and maybe one of the house spells. But it would be interesting to see, like, will this show up in lore holds because it is just a chunky body that identifies with that or how they're going to make that distinction? If it does, I'm going to be upset, because I know that you're going to grab it.
2: Yep. Um, Another card that might be in that Lorehold, uh, like, preset booster, uncommon, is uh, Kintorius Field Historian, because my man just works with what Lorehold does. I I will not be picking up the Lorehold seeded pack, but I think that this card almost convinces me to do it. It is a three generic mana, one red, one white. Same cost as Oaks card, but instead of a 4-4, you get it. 2 4 with no keywords. However, uh, spirits you control get 1 0, oh, and whenever one or more cards leave your graveyard, create a 3 2 red and white spirit creature. We haven't really gotten into what Lord Hold's like, mechanics are, but we know they're archaeologists. We know, as Julian said, they're Indiana Jones types. They're, they're digging stuff up, they're pulling it out of the graveyard, and this is a common thing that Lord Hold cards do, and I think Kintorius really synergizes with it very well and the ability to just as a bonus tacked on to all of your thematic cards get a four 2 it's kind of crazy in a format where you want to make good value trades and things like that
1: and if either of those cards that we've previously seen the relic sloth or the quintorious field historian is on the battlefield and you're not a fan of that i would recommend the rise of extus it's a six mana instant Um, that exiles target creature but it's four generic and two hybrid black white so not only is it super easy to throw in anything because that's that's good for Witherbloom, that's good for lower hold that's good for silver quill which is probably what it's meant for but you have so many uses for it it also deals with all that exiles a card from a exiles an instant or sorcery from a graveyard Preventing Warhold from getting up to their graveyard shenanigans, and then you get to learn. So this is an insane amount of value at common in a multi- very splashable type of removal that can just pick up another piece of removal. Um, one of the cards that creates a token of a mascot, basically. Like I'm pretty sure Learn's going to be broken in limited. And this card, I think, it personifies it in the best possible way. You've got removal, you're getting rid of a thing in the graveyard, and then you just get to fill your hand with something else.
0: I did not know that card existed, but I'm super hyped to absolutely wreck you with it because, dang, that is a lot of value. So much. Value. I, the learn the learn part really puts it over the top.
1: Right. It's just especially out. at like common. Seeing six mana instant removal or instant exile like would would be fine for me. Hybrid it's mana. Is it sorcery? is not it is I swear yeah well anyway even if it's not an instant being able to kill something six mana or exile it I guess remove something from the yard and then fill your hand with something else to get rid of like an enchantment or make a creature still insane value for sure
0: um well this is a this is the one and only time that I will be uh, I I always I always cheat a little bit with simic just because I am a dirty bastard down in my heart uh but it's all about the tempo. It's all about the tempo in this one. Which I'm surprised Eric wasn't wasn't on the same uh train as I was, but I'm picking Aether Helix. Also a sorcery. I think it would be a little bit busted if it was an instant, but is a uh I think we all chose five mana spells. Or Chev, yours is six. Um uh, maybe, maybe we maybe we should have chose some like more like, you know, two and three mana spells, but it, it is what it is. Uh, Aether Helix is an uncommon for three, a green, and a blue. It's a sorcery. It says, return target permanent to its owner's hand. Bounce effects, honestly, are underrated and limited. Such a big tempo swing, especially when your opponent taps out to play, like, their huge thing, and you're just like, ah, sorry, you're going to have to, like, Do that again next turn and waste all your mana. It's also target permanent, so if they have like a Planeswalker or an Enchantment or anything, you just get it out of here. And then also, return target permanent card from your graveyard to your hand. Um, Being able to rebuy your best creature, which even though this is a uh, a set that is focused on spell slinging a lot more than normal, um, instants and sorceries obviously, creatures are still going to be the main player's. In lim- it, you know, it's limited. It's still going to come down to board stalls. So being able to, uh, you're probably not going to be in a four-color deck, so you're probably not going to be able to get your Relislaw back. <laughs> but uh, being able to rebuy your best creature is just so strong, as well as the tempo play of bouncing one of thing. things. So Aether Helix is definitely a card that I will be uh, looking to pick up should I find myself um, over in the math wing of the college. Well, like, uh, like Chev was saying, pre-release is coming up, a.k.a. orientation is coming up. And uh, we're gonna have to go in, and we're gonna have to uh, we're gonna have to pick our classes, and uh, we're gonna have to pick which college we want to enter. Because uh, as Trev was saying, uh, when you pick your pre-release pack, you uh, you align with a college. So it's time to stake our claims. It's time to show our true colors, show our allegiances, boys. Where are you enrolling?
2: I'm happy to start. I'm going to Quandrix. Like math Nerd. is just cu- shut up. Math's cool. <laughs> I have a math book on my bedside table right now it's oh, cool math it every facts night before you that's go to bed, beyond like, that's terrifying it's cool math facts and all of them are cool and they're you all about read a fact before bed every night and you're yes, like "That's actually. my cool math oh chev
0: i literally just said that i didn't hear you. i literally I just said, said the exact same thing
2: <laughs> you <bastard>. um <laughs> either way you're both right because math is cool and numbers are cool and quandrix understands that in their little blurb they talk about like Are numbers something we invented and it's just coincidence that all of these crazy things happen with them? Or are numbers like somehow inherent to the universe and we have just given them names? And that's something that's super interesting. So straight up, catch me taken, magical number theory, Quandrix for life. One of my favorite
1: things I saw in an early social media post about Quandrix is someone saying they could recite all the numbers of pi backward. It's not how it works. So I, I I don't know what magic is going on with numbers in uh the, the multiverse that pi is finite, but someone found a way. <laughs> it's not how it works.
0: Did you did you guys notice the the crickets after Chev finished the sentence? There was just a little, little cricket sounds because no one cares.
2: <laughs> I mean, I would care if they found the end of pi, but I don't think they did.
0: Yeah, that would be that would be pretty cool, but uh, yeah, I don't know, I don't know if that's coming anytime soon
2: it's that's, that's like the next godzilla movie like is coming out the end of pi coming soon
0: <laughs> no that's the that's the sequel to the life of pi you the, know. the
2: end of pi <laughs> yeah,
0: exactly <laughs> so
1: uh so for me i i really have to go back to my roots here um i'm going witherbloom which is the green
0: ha i see what college. you did there roots because nature yeah uh
1: and you know this time like it, it's definitely different like uh, Witherbloom this time around, instead of what we see with Golgari that really tries to use the graveyard, Witherbloom doesn't really care about the graveyard and is instead dealing with life gain and loss and doing cool stuff with that. And so because of this sort of regenerative properties, destructive properties, they're, they're going for potions and whatever you can make, throwing stuff into the mixture. Uh, but they're also the only college that really seems to have nature as a central theme. And, you know, if I'm thinking of going to a magical university, I'm going to go to the one with talking trees and, like, going out into the woods and meeting mystical creatures, and that just seems super cool. Also, uh, something that we've we've done recently on the pod, of course, making bomb-ass cocktails seems like the perfect thing that Witherbloom would be into, and I will be taking advanced mixology with them and whatever liquors exist in the multiverse. Probably It probably meets only Fridays, you know, if we're being honest. But I will take that class every single year it's offered. And, you know, it's just, it's, it's my colors and I got to love what they're doing. Chev, I don't know if you kind of
3: felt this too with, with these colleges, but there wasn't really any, um, like directly related to like what, what you and I kind of do for a living currently, <laughs> which is like computer related stuff. And, you know, obviously yeah, like artifacts or whatever. So,
1: right. It would be some mix of like Lorehold and Quandrix where you've got like yeah. Quandrix dealing with the math and stuff, but it seems like there's is you know, math in the mystical sense and Lorehold is objects. So you need to kind of smash the two together in some unholy four color of mystical objects with math in them. Yeah. Um, I honestly I
2: think, think silver quill is way closer of like specific wording and specific like commands. very <laughs> defined yeah. like language. If you're going by like
1: a list of commands that need to be said properly, then you could do it. I actually, I I was a big fan of silver quill and I was going to go for it for a while. But then they, they came out with some of the flavor today that kind of turned me off a little bit and it was that they were thinking of the military kids go to silver quill and it's, Ah. it's very regimented and, you know, and I, I obviously nothing against that. I think that's great, but I, that's not really an identity that I felt I was part of. And I was like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to go with my nature buddies and uh, we're going to make some potions in the woods. Anyways,
3: when deciding this for myself, I unfortunately couldn't really consider that as a factor. And I imagine Chev, you feel the same way. So, I had go into what colors I, you know, play the most and which college I thought was, you know, coolest. So we, we crossed uh, Prismari off, like, right off the bat.
1: Uh, <laughs> Oakley, are you telling me you're not a theater kid? Uh,
3: um, I... So, yeah, no Prismari, even though I like it, <laughs> But Lorehold Lorhold came with the heat on, like, their day of spoilers. There were, some, there were some great stuff there. So read a little more into those guys. And, you know, don't get me wrong, I'm no history buff, uh, certainly by any means. Again, um, I'm a computer guy. But if I were transported into a magical realm, I would definitely choose the college dedicated to adventure and, you know, discovery. Um, just, you know, easily. And, I mean, like, all these other guys, they're kind of like, you know, Silverquill's kind of like straight-laced. And, you know, Prismari is just, yeah, you know, they the are kids. It's just like Lorehold. They're just like, <laughs> it's like Julian said, they're all Indiana Jones. Um, so, like, exploring, uncovering, like, cool relics, and also important, being trained in battle magic would is, is a big part of theirs. Uh, so, it seems like the career path I'd choose if I were to just wake up in the Magic Universe one day.
0: You know, normally when we do these things, we kind of work it so that, oh, we all sort of pick a different thing, so it's not just like, you know, oh, what's the best card in the set? We all pick the same Mythic because it's the best card. Uh, but I gotta say... I can't not go with Lorehold on this one. I mean, come on. Oak's 100% right. The fact that it's like this, you know, every time I'm just like, these people are literally Indiana Jones, I get more hyped about it. But, like, yeah, the adventuring is super cool. The fact that they have, I guess, the most conventional battle magic, because I guess you could argue the other colleges have battle magic, um, as I guess dueling is, like, a a big part of the school. I guess if you have, like, a, a dispute. If one of the uh, like frat boys comes and steals your girl, you're like, all right, well, I got to duel you now. But uh, also, this is just actually my job. Like, This is literally what I went to school for. I love being out in the field, um, so that, that immediately is just like, all right, it's either Lorehold or Witherbloom, but I'm like, listen, why would I deal with living things when I could just deal with these things that aren't living, that just don't have these living thing problems? I'm also simultaneously a big history buff and also, so much of geology is, uh, you know, just documenting what happened in the past. And there's so much of the geology coursework that is just, like, kind of history classes. So, like, this is just exactly what I want to be doing. Running around, looking at rocks, you know, doing the thing. So, big lore hold. I will say, though, I'm going to probably give an honorary thing for Silver Quill. I- I'm ignoring, basically, all of the the canonical lore. That's That's the move. Just going back to, like, my original... Uh, description in the beginning that basically like these are like cool pre law kids who also battle rap uh to settle their disputes that's basically what uh silver quill is in my mind so yeah well now that we've aligned with our colleges we've enrolled uh you know we've established everything we gotta pick out our course loads obviously because you know gotta take classes gotta gotta go learn and get good so boys, we have a whole new card type in lesson. What classes are you taking? What lessons are you going to be enrolled in? I'll lead yeah. because oh. no one wants to say anything. All right, word. I will. Um, some pretty pretty easy choices. Uh, I'm just kind of discussing. Um, there is one called environmental science, which literally uh, my job title currently is environmental scientist. Uh, so felt like that was a that was a, a pretty easy go to. It's just two mana. Two generic mana, uh, I will say. Um, search a library for a basic land card, reveal it, put it in your hand, gain two life. Simple, but uh effective. In addition, there is a Illuminate History, which I was just talking about in terms of um, you know, just doing all that thing. This one's a rare actually. It's two red red. Uh discard any number of cards, then draw that many cards. And then if there are seven or more cards in your graveyard, you get a three, two red and white spirit. So, um, sort of almost like a a, a wheel effect, a conditional wheel effect that uh, pays you off if you've been uh, Getting stuff in your yard, which is something that uh, Lorehold wants to do in this set. And then lastly, uh, which I think uh, Eric is going to talk about as well, big fan of the mascot exhibition, uh, which is a mythic rare. Uh, for seven generic mana and it says create a 2-1 white and black inkling creature token with flying a 3-2 red and white spirit creature token and a 4-4 blue and red elemental creature token so i think to much to chev's delight they've attempted to i think standardize the tokens in this set so that there are just only a few tokens uh so chev said that he can actually you know actually open a token that he might be able to use when we play limited so each school has their own mascot um the red white spirit is uh, loreholds. The white and black is silverquill. The four four elemental is Prismari, And then there's ones for the other two,
2: but I forget. Yeah, what there's they two are.
1: that don't show up on mascot exhibition. Which has, yeah, I uh, don't. I am uh, using my use entire
2: curriculum to correct that. <laughs> I am. I, I uh, be... <laughs> no, no no go ahead.
0: Yeah, no, I don't. I don't know why it only is uh the three. I just mascot exhibition one. I think is just. Such kind of a meme of a card, but it also seems pretty powerful, especially limited. Like if you get oh, soft yeah. limited, it's super powerful, but, um, something that I, I may or may not have talked about on the cast before, but, uh, one of, one of the big things I was involved in when I was in, uh, in school was I was a tour guide. So I'm all about getting out and telling the people what's good, uh, you know, about this university that we attend. So I'm like, listen, check out these mascots, like. It's a pretty cool place. You should uh you should come here. So I'm definitely at the mascot exhibition. Eric, you are you're also at the mascot exhibition, but you are you're championing a different cause.
2: It's true. Let me tell you, just straight up, I'm taking basic conjuration, then I'm taking fractal con fractal summoning, then I'm going to the mascot expedition, and I'm summoning a fractal. All they had to do was just a say sweet sweet zero zero fractal. Just say zero zero fractal with a one-one counter on it. It could be the worst part of the card, but make it show up. Give them them a participation trophy. Yeah, (laughs) exactly. They're the best college. They don't have to win. They already know they've won. Just, like, have them show up. But anyway, Basic Conjuring is one and two green. Uh, Look at the top six cards of your library. Uh, Reveal a creature card from among them. Put it into your hand. Rest on the bottom. Gain three life. Fractal Summoning is X and blue or green, blue or green. Or blue-green hybrid. Uh, two blue green hybrid, rather. Create a zero zero uh, green and blue fr- fractal. Put X one one counters on it. Then going back to the mascot expedition where all the mascots are, and I'm freaking adding a fractal. <laughs> <laughs> so my curriculum
3: in the uh, College of Lorhold is going to be a little bit different than uh, Julian's. For starters, I think um, I'm, I'm going to be leaning more into the the battle magic sort of aspect of things. So. My my first intro class that I you know I take freshman year is going to be Intro to Annihilation and I know much like in real life uh, me and Chev are going to be coordinating our uh, our classes so I, I might see him in there but um, I'm going to be taking Start from Scratch as my art elective. I should probably talk about what these cards actually do. Let me rewind a sec. Uh, Introduction to Annihilation: five generic mana, sorcery, exile target non-land permanent. His controller draws a card. We all know why Chev is actually taking this class um, <laughs> start from scratch on the other hand is a two generic and a red sorcery and you get to pick one of the two one of two options uh deal one damage to any target nothing wrong with a little gut shot or destroy target artifact lots of fun nice so with that is my art elective in the in the sort of Prismari college um i think my capstone is going to be reduced to memory which is a uh, one white white sorcery exile target non-land permanent nice we're, we're upgrading from artifacts and dealing one damage to just any permanent uh and its controller creates a three two red and white spirit creature token nothing we can't handle
1: so for me um one of the things that really excited me about strixhaven is some of the lessons the introductory lessons, like Environmental Science and Introduction to Annihilation, are colorless. Which, I have a pretty nice Kozalike deck, but what it can't do is ramp and deal with threats in an appropriate way. So, you know, upon hearing that these these courses, they've already been added to my deck on Moxfield. These, these guys are going to have to deal with that in a little bit. <laughs> but, upon finding out that Introduction to Annihilation is a colorless spell, I'd probably meet Oakley there. Um, but while he's there to make big things go boom, um, I'm trying to awaken the devoid elder gods, so our paths might diverge a little bit. i probably, you know, go to seek some help from my elders with Teachings of the Archaics, which I am going to explain, but only briefly because I know this is going to trip someone up And Limited. It's a one blue, two generic. If an opponent has more cards in hand than you, draw two cards. Draw three cards instead if an opponent has at least four more cards in hand than you, which means you can play this and have it draw you no cards, If no one has more cards in hand than you, keep that in mind and read it carefully. (laughs) Um, But, you know, some people might not like this idea of bringing back the creature currently located in Estrad's Moon, so it probably won't be too long before I end end up being voluntold to take academic probation, uh, which is a a hate bear spell, not a bear because it's a spell. It is two mana, though. One white, one generic. You can either choose a, a spell to not get cast until your next turn, um, or a permanent and it can't attack, block, or have its activated abilities activated until your next turn. Wow, Chev. So I probably won't be bringing back Emrakul this set, but stay tuned for uh, Q4 this
0: year with Innistrad Crimson Vow and Innistrad um, Werewolves. I really hope that they just make it so that they're just like yeah yeah the whole uh the whole shadows over inner block what what was i don't even that did that even happen i, I hope they just like retcon that out they're just like yeah no we're just we're just trying to have a big werewolf party there's going to be some like we saw in zendikar there's
1: going to be at least one card that references the eldrazi and it's going to go right in the deck i personally
2: hope that we can go back there and everyone's just like yo where's the moon moon's gone I got no idea where this moon is.
0: (laughs) Dang! So does that mean that like we're gonna have a whole set about werewolves? Except they're all just gonna be humans (laughs) because the moon is literally not. They're werewolves. I swear, but moon uh, just (laughs) gone. (laughs) Or or maybe they're just permanently transformed. I don't know.
2: Ooh, that'd be pretty cool. Hey, maybe that would be a way to make a werewolf commander. Wizards, do something, please.
0: Maybe this is something that we'll talk about in a couple months when uh, spoiler seasons for that uh, exist. Uh, But in the meantime, uh, we probably should talk about the thing that I would imagine most of our viewers have come for, and that's for us to talk about everyone's favorite 100-card format, Canadian Highlander. I mean, uh, sorry, um, Commander. Yes, uh, Commander. So as like most sets in recent memory, there are a ton of legendary creatures in this set. Indeed. I assume that you boys, having looked at the full spoiler, have a personal favorite. Why don't you tell me about them? And
1: just, just to be clear as well, we're focusing on the Strixhaven, our favorite rare from the Strixhaven set. Um, while this is being recorded, the Commander Legends are coming out. Um, there's a ton of new spicy stuff in there, which we'll probably end up talking about later. Yes. For me, I'm sticking true to Witherbloom, and I'm going for Valentine Dean of the Vein, slash Lisette, Dean of the Root. Um, to be honest, I don't really know what Valentin does. I think it's like a Menace Lifelink 1-1 one, one for 1. That whenever a creature dies that an opponent controls, uh, you may pay two to exile it and then make a 1-1 pest. Uh, Which is, you know, fine, but is boring. Meanwhile, Lisette, Dean of the Root, is a 4-4 for four. And whenever you gain life, pay one generic. And if you do, put a 1-1 counter on each creature you control and they get trampled. So the buff is permanent. Um, It can trigger multiple times a turn if you're gaining life multiple ways, which I'll go into in a minute, and everyone gets trample at the end. So if you're thinking of like a kind of go wide blue or green black kind of maybe aristocrats or like elves, this can get out of hand really quickly. Especially with cards like Primeval Bounty or Retreat to Kazandu or Dread Presence that's like life gain on landfall. Great. Play a land for the turn, tap it, everyone's bigger, and they have trample. Uh, the Great Henge, of course, one of the the recent ones. Taps for two green, and you gain two life. So literally, just use that to beef your board up. Um, one ones across the entire thing, and then you've got the black angle too, that has the you know the life gain, life loss aspect of when your creatures die. And one of the big combos that I was kind of well combo strong word. This isn't Eric talking, um, but one of the things I was thinking about is the new mascot for the Witherbloom. Of course, are these one one pests that when they die you gain one life. So I'm thinking, you know, you throw an Ashnod's altar out, you throw a ton of these pests out, you sacrifice a pest to the altar, you get the life from that, you use the mana, beef the rest of your board. Maybe that triggers a Xelloport cutthroat or a blood artist that gains you another life. Everyone can get bigger again. And these things can kind of cascade over and over and over again. And this is before we even get to the support that this Dean is getting from the set with cards that, you know, tap for X mana equal to the life you've gained this turn. Or any of that kind of stuff. So really, this is this is pulling me in a direction that I don't normally see with green and black. Uh, and since so many green cards just incidentally draw life, or that makes no sense, gain life, that this could really become powerful and um, overpowering very quickly. So I think if there's anything I build from the set, it's going to be these guys.
2: Uh, that looks like a pretty solid like card, and I'd be interested to see the deck you end up making with that. To be honest, uh, my card has me feeling... A little bit like you, Chev, where I'm like, this card is just begging for a super dedicated theme deck, which is Jazzy Oracle of Arkavos. Jazzy is a little bit expensive. Just, just a heads up How to those. How expensive, Eric? Uh, it would be six and two blue. Uh, and you can discard a card to bounce her right back to your hand. She's a human wizard. She's five five. So, well,
0: in case you wanted to pay eight again. Yeah, know?
2: in case you want to pay eight again, you can pitch a card to get her back. But let's start on the backside. The backside is way less interesting. But it's still cool. Uh, Backside is Journey to the Oracle. In order to meet the Oracle, we got to get to the Oracle. It's two and two green. You may put any number of land cards from your hand onto the battlefield. Then, if you control eight or more lands, you may discard a card. If you do, return Journey to the Oracle to its owner's hand. So, you go through your deck. Maybe the first time you play your quote-unquote commander is when you dump three lands onto the field to hit that eight number and then journey to the oracle comes back to your hand so you don't have to pay the commander tax and then you can just drop jadzi next turn which is just a really cool like thematic thing of like you found these lands you've gone all this way you've journeyed and now you get to meet the oracle and play Mm -hmm. the oracle the oracle's main ability other than discarding and bouncing yourself is whenever you, cast or cop, uh, Magecraft, whenever you cast or copy an instant or sorcery spell, reveal the top card of your library. If it's a non-land card, you may cast it by paying one rather than paying its mana cost.
0: <laughs> ah, now <laughs> we know why Eric likes this card. Broken
2: and Simic? Shh, it's okay, it's okay. It's only a lot of mana cheat.
0: Refer to last week's uh, podcast where we roast Eric for doing exactly this thing, a.k.a. being a cheaty McCheater face.
2: If it's a land card, just put it on the battlefield. Just drop it. Uh, we're seeing a oh, little, of course, because l- little Thrasios you know, in there of like, <laughs> we don't want you to brick, so like, if you hit a land just ramp it. I want to make this deck in like the non-optimal way, or maybe the optimal way, I don't know, but with like a minimum number of non-land permanents. I want like mm. scroll rack, and uh, that's it for now. <laughs> Already hate it. <laughs> uh, it's is so just funny. scroll rack in this. So that you can just cascade through these because if you reveal the top and play it, a card with jadzy's effect it does not have a once per turn or this doesn't trigger itself clause so if you hit an instant or sorcery with jadzy you get to go again
1: that's terrifying
2: it's just all kinds of sick gas i know that this isn't like chev's level of like oh it's a patra all minus one minus one counters but it's eric all mana cheat and I think I can make it bad enough that it's fun by making it, like, almost no permanence. Simic Spellslinger. Let's see it.
0: I would be hyped for it. I feel like I would be hyped in the fact that I'm just a supportive friend, and <laughs> I want you to I want you to be creative and, and live your dream. But also, like, you know, after we sat down at the table for that, I'd be like, all right, well, I guess I gotta kill this bitch.
2: She's an 8-mana 5-5. Just, just, just ice her. Just take her out. I know. Especially, you could pay one more mana
1: and just play Void Winner. Am I right, Julian?
0: O- honestly, yeah, you really could. You really could. Except you're you're forgetting the fact that green means that eight mana is actually like four mana.
1: Oh, that's true.
2: Yeah. Honestly, what I didn't even think about was the fact that if you're like, I kill Jadzi, I can be like, actually, I'm just going to put her back in my hand. No, you don't. This is also true. I'm not You've gonna got pay the Nezahol, but on steroids. Yeah.
0: For real. Yeah.
1: Well, I guess not on
0: steroids, on side roids. Love some side droids.
2: Anyway, Julian, what's your favorite?
0: <laughs> um, not blue or green. I can tell you that much. I'm actually I'm I'm actually rocking with my boy uh my boy Hofri Ghostforge. Uh, he's a dwarf cleric, uh, so he he can go in your party and he's got uh synergies from a uh, call time. But he is a lorehold guy. He is a three, a red and a white, which uh, is five, which is not nearly as much as eight. Uh, he's a four or five, so. Reasonable stats. Um, he also says, Spirits you control get plus one, plus one, and have Trample and Haste. So, uh, clearly, I'm just going to make a uh, red-white uh, Spirits beatdown deck uh, and probably be probably be pretty good. But he also does have another... Um, I don't want to say line of text because it's a fairly chunky paragraph, but it says, Whenever another non-token creature you control dies, exile it. If you do, create a token that is a copy of that creature except it's a spirit in addition to its other types. So... It gets plus one, plus one, and has and Haste from Hofri's static ability. And it also has when this creature leaves the battlefield, return the exiled card to your graveyard. So this guy is sick for a bunch of reasons. First off, the biggest thing that Lorehold is doing in this set that is a, a, a strict upgrade in my eyes from what Boros and other red white. Incarnations have done uh, over the years is that it is leaning heavily on the recursion aspect because of this whole idea of like digging up artifacts and you know uncovering the past, being able to move things in and out of your graveyard, um, either just back to your hand or actually reanimating them. And whether that's artifacts, creatures, uh, instants and sorceries, basically everything, uh, red white now has that niche, which I think is very good because it gives it a lot of the staying power that it didn't have because it's still can't really draw cards that much um, but at least okay well yes your threats got dealt with but now you can just get them back instead of just drawing new threats uh, which is sweet so first of all love that they're really leaning hard into that second of all even though this gives all your spirits plus one, plus one, and haste, uh, and trample, uh, we know that I actually hate attacking, super lame, but I love Enter the Battlefield triggers, so you're meaning that I can double up on all of these sexy ETBs, uh, you know, playing crazy things like Luminant Primordial, and, nope. uh, you know, <laughs> uh, Begarden Hellkite, and all that sort of stuff, so... Dragon. Yeah, exactly. L- literally any dragon. Um. So, that's sweet. Love doubling up. Also, I... I I could play dragons, exactly. I love just like value engines and slash like recursion. So this sort of whole thing like this just being able to like loop creatures and stuff is sweet. It is uh notable that Hoferi does not exile the it's not like um a lot of times if you get a token of a copy that uh, a a copy of a token, a token of a creature <laughs> that has Jesus <laughs> a Christ, I'll of get the original copy. a a token a token copy of a creature that has gone to your graveyard a lot of times it will exile it from your graveyard so you get that thing but this basically just says if it would die put it to the side aka exile it you get your your uh token copy when that token copy leaves it goes back to your graveyard so you can then just either reanimate it or get it back to your hand again so you can kind of just like infinitely move things uh throughout your zones if you have the uh the elephant guy that Eric was talking about in our limited picks mm, you yeah. are generating make 32s uh you know which is sweet and then also i'm also a big fan or i have become more of a big fan of sacrifice and like sort of aristocrat style uh game plans um and this is doing that sort of thing because you can you know sacrifice your creatures for va- for whatever value and then get your your copies which then also have plus 1 plus 1 and trample and haste um and doing those sort of things outside of black which is normally the home um, of aristocrats shenanigans is something that's interesting to me because as part of the year of brew, I've been trying to take strategies and put them in places where they don't exactly fit. So Hofery, big fan, probably going to brew this up either as an article or just for game night or both. So
1: two things I want to quickly add about Hofery is one thing I hate, uh, which is probably pretty good, is since the creatures leave the graveyard when they die technically and the token hits, you're much less likely to get wiped out with graveyard hate at any given time because you probably have at least one creature on the battlefield that will then come back. So it's kind of like an insurance policy for some of your good creatures depending on you know where they are in the stasis of this whole life cycle plan. That is a good point. And I'm also terrified to hear about the, the cycles and locks you can do with white creatures that When the ETB return something from the graveyard to the battlefield and kind of thinking of, you know, Sun Titan goes to the yard, you make a copy of Sun Titan, that hits, you bring back something that can bring back something else. And just a lot of shenanigans, again, due to these ETB triggers
2: that really focus on the graveyard.
0: Oh yeah. Some, some, some revel arc goodness.
2: Yeah. Now I'm thinking Mm -hmm. like, there's something with blasting station in this dude. Like you, you, I
0: love blasting station. You can
2: kill someone. I'm, I'm feeling it. Like you did. Julian, you got to do the math, but show me how to kill someone with this man.
0: I, listen, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do the research, um, and hopefully uh, pretty soon I'll, uh, I'll have some sort of product to give you boys the beatdown.
3: So I'm going to break theme a little bit here. Uh, you guys all picked, uh, I guess, good guys of the set, um, but, uh, but I'm interested in the big bad guy of, of this, you know, magic set. Oh, no. Which is my man, Extus. Uh, Auric Overlord. There's a lot going on in this card, so I'm just going to go from top to bottom. He costs one generic, one white, and two black. Looks awesome. Uh, he's sort of this archetype, uh, you know, in the art of, like, a that I really like, which is, like, a wizard in heavy armor. So think, like, Gandorf, sort of uh, thing going on. Really cool. My guy. Yep. It's like he's got magic, but he's just also strong enough to, like, wear the heavy armor. It's just like, what, what a guy. He's a human warlock. Oops, I said wizard. Doesn't matter. Uh, he has double strike. Okay. Uh, and then, more importantly, uh, Magecraft. So, whenever you cast or copy an instant or sorcery, return target non-legendary creature card from your graveyard to your hand. Very nice. You might be thinking, wait a sec, this guy's black-white. The silver quill theme wasn't reanimation. That was the lore hole theme. Well, on his back... Uh, he is a, actually a sorcery, uh, which is very interesting, kind of uh, in, the, in the same sort of uh, line as Jadzy. The sorcery on the back is called Awaken the Blood Avatar. It is six generic, um, but that can, that can be mitigated. We'll talk about that in a sec. Uh, one red and one black. So he's actually a three-color commander, uh, which is awesome because we got a three-color commander with Magecraft, which I, which I was really hoping for in this set. Anyways, Awaken the Blood Avatar is a sorcery. Um, as an additional cost to cast it, you can sacrifice any number of creatures, and the spell costs two less for each creature you sacrifice. So it's got built-in Ashnod's altar. Nice. Um, the actual effect of the card is each opponent sacks a creature, which I often forget, uh, create a 3-6 black and red avatar creature token with haste, and whenever this creature attacks, deals three damage to each opponent. So it doesn't even have to connect. So this guy's very reminiscent of uh, my current uh, Mardu Spellslinger deck uh, and maybe placing it or, like, being added to it. I'm not sure yet. Uh, I've been doing a lot of brewing with this guy already. Um, I really love the recursion Mm -hmm. support. I can't decide if I want to go, like, big big creatures, small spells, you know, like, spells matter or, like, small creatures, big spells, because the back of the card is kind of, like, you want a bunch of little, like, small creatures to, like, pay less for the thing. But the front is, like... Oh, every time you play in, like, an instant or sorcery, you want it to be small, ideally. You get back a creature, which you want to be big, ideally. So, I don't know. There's a lot of different ways you can go. It'll probably, uh, whatever I end up with, it'll probably be somewhere in between. But, um, oh, all in all, I'm just very excited for the card.
2: Just do big everything, Julian, or Oakley. I don't know why I said Julian. I was looking at his panel, but I was talking to Oak. Just do big hair, everything. <laughs>
3: it's because my hair is getting long, and it's starting to look like Julian's. Admit it. All right, that's fair. And that's I just got serious. a haircut,
0: so <laughs> we're basically the same person. Yep. Except Oak shaved his beard, so. Yep. <laughs> so I want to know what you
1: guys, what your favorite puns were. Wizards has really gone above and beyond with some of their card names and the, the, the style that they're going for to really bring back these ideas of school and such. What were your favorite card titles that had to do with the kind of, like, school theme? And how does that make you feel?
0: Oh, man, Listen. I'm feeling hella nostalgic because my personal favorite one, field trip, big old field trip, sorcery for a green, search your library for basic force, put it on the battlefield tapped, learn. (laughs) Field trips were like, I feel like, you know, if you remember back to like elementary school, middle school, field trips were like legendary. Not only did you go and get to do something cool, but you also didn't have school that day or maybe even like multiple days if it was like an overnight thing. So field trips, like, Everyone turned up for field trips, so it's like that big nostalgia factor. But as we've said multiple times, I'm the rock guy. I'm the geologist. Uh, field trips were an essential part of my curriculum at university, at the <laughs> highest level of learning. Going out into the field and at touching rocks. rocks and looking at rocks, big thing. So we still t- we we literally turned up for field trips and on field trips. Love love a good field trip, and I will say the art for this. They're literally out in the forest looking at some rocks, which is what it's all about. So big fan of field trip.
1: I do appreciate the idea that they go into the forest and in my head, they're learning the forest that you got. So you, you go, you find your forest, you put it on the battlefield. Then the teacher just points at and is like, all right, learn.
2: Whatever it. they, whatever <laughs> lesson they learn
1: from it is what you pulled into your hand. Hopefully I get to live that fantasy in my uh, limited deck. My, my one that I'm going with is Baryon books. It's a five-mana blue instant that costs two less if it targets an attacking creature and pops that creature into the library second from the top. So, I, I, personally, this is my favorite because it works on two levels, right? Not only is it a phrase that you might hear on a college campus of, like, you know, being buried in books, studying, or whatever, but it goes back to the, the OG magic terminology referring to your deck as a library. And the idea that you're playing these spells from your library of spells. So you're quite literally taking this card and burying it in the, the spells of your library, your books, and just shoving it in there. And I think that is so cool. I do think it is a bit of a flavor fail that it only gets put second from the top. Because if I'm being buried in books, it's not with just one book on top of me. That sounds like a really weak creature. Uh, and they should probably work out a little bit more
0: yeah that should be like probably like at least fourth from the top. like put a
1: three back give me give me no discount on attacking creatures make it just a better um uh totally lost yeah totally Totally lost lost. that puts on top your library right i think so yeah so just give me a better totally lost throw it like four in call it bury in books have a nice day but i i still think that i would run this if i'm running blue one to say bury in books and two because i think it's a really good spell
3: Chev, my favorite pun pick also has to do with books. Um, my pick is Academic Dispute. I'm going to tell you right off the bat, I don't even know this card's mana cost or what it does. Um, <laughs> because it's all in the name, the art, and the flavor text. I'm sorry I'm talking about art, but here goes. It is what so, it is. The artist depicting two people from different colleges, and it doesn't specify, but it really looks like a Lorehold uh, versus a Quandrix. Getting into a magical fight as opposed to like a verbal one, you know, like an actual. Right,
1: we're not doing some silver quill shit right here. We're actually fighting.
3: Yeah, that's right, exactly. So like the um Quandrix one has like some shields up, and the Lorehold guy is holding this book, and there are pages flying out of the book towards the Quandrix guy in a very aggressive manner. They're like lit up red. So first of all, love the idea of a book as like an arcane focus, but this takes it to a whole new level where the guy's actually using the pages as ...of the book as a weapon. I think the flavor text just completes it, uh, which is, I'll show you original research, your hack. So, <laughs> this guy is taking his research, and, and I don't know if this is, like, this is this is advanced applied research. He's applying his research, like, directly to the forehead. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> he's taking the written form of his research
0: and just You're hitting a guy
1: it. with it. That's amazing.
3: Listen,
0: yeah. man, I'm saying... It would really suck all those sheets flying at you so high, so, uh, at such a high speed. Like, imagine the paper cuts. Just imagine the paper cuts. Oh, that'd be miserable.
1: For those wondering, it's a one mana instant. Target creature blocks this turn of fable. You may have it gain reach until end of turn. And learn. So I think learn <laughs> even wish. helps it even more with the I'll show you original <laughs> research, making them go back to school. Y'all gonna learn
3: today. <laughs> Y'all gonna
2: learn today. I will go last. Essentially, after you've learned all these things with all these spells that have fun effects that teach you some lessons, it's time for the quiz. It's time for the test.
0: Pop quiz, even.
2: Everyone's favorite kind of test? Multiple choice. Easiest thing in the world. True-false would like something to say. I had a professor in college who gave true-false exams, but the answer was always false, but you always had to explain your answer. Oh, that's terrible. I thought it was kind of funny, but that's why (laughs) I'm like multiple choice is easier than (laughs) true-false. Whatever that man was doing.
0: (laughs) Because you don't actually have to write any words for it? <laughs> yeah, you
2: don't have to explain anything. You're just like, yeah, no, it's, it's just C, and then you move on. Um, but in this case, it's never C. It's always D, because D is all of the above. Uh, this is a card that is, it's a blue modal spell that lets you choose between different effects. It is X and blue for a sorcery. If X is one, scry one, then draw one. If X is two, choose a player. They bounce a creature to their hand. Uh, of their choice, and if X is three, create a four-four blue-red elemental creature token. Um, this is just great because oh, and if, yeah, if X is four, do all of the above. Um, this is great because it is truly a multiple choice question. You get to choose what you want of four options, and the fourth option is all of the above. This this is like formatted like a question. It's just super well done as like a flavor package. I I I can't really say more.
0: Love it. Can't, can't wait to cast that in limited, honestly. I feel like that's going to be a blowout. Is that a, yeah. rare? Uh, is a rare? Yes, it is a rare, Thankfully. but oh, that,
2: that card would destroy it for X's four <laughs> in limited. Like, that's just a massive tempo win. Replace it in your hand. Remove something from your opponent's board. Make a creature like this is gas.
0: Alrighty. Well, I think it's time to to hit our... Our last uh, thing, which is just what is your favorite new card? There's a bunch of new cards, uh, but just you're just you're picking a card. If you had to pick one card, which you did, because that's <laughs> that's the prompt. You did have to pick one card. Um, and if you pick two cards, you're wrong. Uh, what's
2: your card? <laughs> All right. I mean, I'll go again. Please, please just go. Is ecological appreciation. I'm going to talk about the art for two seconds. You tree hugger. The woman on this card is the happiest person we've seen in all of magic, I think. She is just absolutely living to see sort of this little, like, natural growth. And she's out there ecologically appreciating. Now let me tell you what the card does. It is... Sorry.
0: Please the search tell search function us. Tell on right Scryfall is
2: dying. What's, the, uh, what's the card again, Eric? Uh, ecological do? Appreciation. It is X, 2, and a green. Search the library and graveyard for up to four creature cards with different names that each have mana value X or less and reveal them. An opponent chooses two of these cards, shuffle the chosen cards back into the deck, put the rest onto the battlefield. Exile ecological appreciation. You know a card's good when it says you only get to do it once. (laughs) Um, That's right.
1: Unless you bring back Rift
2: Sweeper. (laughs) Uh, Rift Sweeper um uh there's pull, from, pull from the eternities uh there's a couple ways to do this more than once but i think if you have to do this more than once you did it wrong the first time uh <laughs> i just love the idea like she's looking at a bunch of little squirrels and like some trees and there's like a little deer next to her uh uh-uh. uh you're ripping the biggest of boys with this i want to say this is tooth and nail, but honestly, probably fixed. Uh, I just love the idea of ripping out the biggest, baddest creatures in your deck, or creatures that have already died this game. Your opponents have dealt with them. They're like, thank God that threat's behind us for right now. And then you're like, not even close. <laughs> so I I have in here written... Uh, it costs too much to be super strong. What's that? I can't hear you over the squad rolling in. Now, do you want Vigor and Varinclex or Avicend and Kodama the East Tree? Don't worry. Take your time.
0: <laughs> I, uh, I don't want any of those things. Actually. That's why you're allowed to concede. Um, <laughs> no, see, Ooh, I won't actually have to concede move. because, you know, what, what I can do really is I can just blot out the sky. My man. Eric picked the giant, big, uh, cheaty creature thing, and I picked the control finisher. Blot Out the Sky is a sorcery for X, a white and a black. Uh, create X tapped 2-1 white and black inkling creature tokens with flying, which I will say, that's not good enough for a Mythic Rare, but just if you needed to, to just make a bunch of creatures, 2-1 white flyers, not bad. Not bad. And, you know, obviously it scales with a, it scales with a, how much mana you have. But also if x is six or more oh uh destroy all yep 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 <laughs> yep that says non-creature i i thought it uh i thought it said uh i thought said well it says destroy all non-creature non-land permanents. which uh <laughs> i'll admit i did think it said creature uh so i am annoyed I, I thought it was a uh, similar to marshall coup where you destroy everything and then you like get your get your uh your tokens But still, making a bunch of dudes and destroying a bunch of non-land permanents, which we established once again last week. Eric loves to play a bunch of busted non-creature permanents too. So uh, just getting rid of all that stuff, that's solid. And uh, this card is just so metal. Blot Out the Sky is easily like the perfect album name. Uh, The art is simultaneously like... Very metal and uh, spooky, but also like kind of kind of goofy. Silly. It's almost got like a little bit. It's got a little bit of a Nightmare Before Christmas vibe, but um, I still love it. And the flavor text is very strong. It's a, a drop of ink is a nuisance. A torrent of inklings is a menace. And uh, yeah, that's what I'm, that's what I'm here to do. I'm just here to be a menace. one's gonna
1: blot so. out the sky, and Chroma's just gonna look up and be like, hmm, I guess it's night now. <laughs> Slap.
0: Listen, dude. I have all these. I have all these two on flying inklings to block a chroma for days.
1: <laughs> so for me, um, I I had a really hard time picking a card and making sure that there was no sort of bias in it, uh, because there are just so many cards from this set that work in so many of my decks. But I have to give proper credit to the Biblioplex, which is not only a library, it's a non-legendary land, because apparently it's not fun to have multiple non-legendary lands in your deck. Etc., they have a policy against making anymore, but that doesn't mean you can copy it, which is going to come in real handy for its ability. I think it's supposed to be a fixed library of Alexandria. It can tap for a colorless, or you can tap to an it to look at the top card of your library. You can reveal it if it's an instant or sorcery and put it into your hand. If you choose not to reveal it, you can put it into your graveyard, um, which is already like, okay, I can either draw a card if it's an instant or sorcery, or I can surveil one, which is a pretty solid thing to do, especially as the final condition of the card is you can only activate this ability if you have zero or seven cards in hand. So, you know, you're out of cards. You got to make sure the next one counts and isn't a land. You can activate the Biblioplex, see if it is, put it in the yard, and move on without having to reveal anything. Or if you're hypothetically playing Toshiro, you can tap, look at the top. It's a nice instant kill spell. Pop that sucker into your hand. And the important thing here is because it's non-legendary and you can have multiple copies on the battlefield with maybe the recently reprinted Vesuva or Thesbian Stage, you can activate this ability on all the cards at the same time. And because they only check the size of your hand on activation, none of them have resolved by the time you do this. You could have zero cards in hand and a ton of mana, three Biblioplexes out, and you're drawing three cards if they're instances of sorceries. Or at least being able to activate the ability three times, which is pretty freaking gnarly
2: that's super
1: cool
3: so i had the opposite problem of chev um chev is like wow look at all these great cards like i don't know which one's my favorite they just keep getting better and better as the spoilers come you know wither blooms towards the end meanwhile on the other hand day one of spoilers they reveal to us reconstruct history and i'm just like well that's it it's not gonna get any better than this for me so reconstruct history uh did remain my favorite It is a four mana, uh, that being two generic, one red, one white. Sorcery. Return up to one target artifact, up to one target enchantment, up to one target instant, up to one target sorcery, and up to one target planeswalker from your graveyard to your hand. Then exile it. Eric, I see you with the uh, exiling afterwards. Yeah. That means it's got to be good. Now, the first thing you're probably thinking is, wait a sec. Did I mishear you? Was there green in that casting cost? No, there's no green. It's it's just straight up red and white. And you know this, I I think I really I know it's been said before, like multiple times in this podcast and you probably if you're in tune to magic, have been hearing it every any anywhere you're going for news, but the fact that they went in like the reanimation uh direction for red and white, I think is just fantastic uh for this. I think if Fits perfectly with a two colors that really like to just, like, play cards out really fast. And then, boom, you drop Reconstruct History, turn four. And then, you probably already got five cards in your graveyard because your, you know, opponent killed them all. And you played, like, five one-drops in a Tibble. And um, I just think, in, in general, like, returning cards from graveyard to hand is a good compromise for these two colors. That gives them, that allows them to have card advantage without using the word draw. Red's had this sort of theme recently where you can cast a spell that like exiles the top however many cards your library and then you can play that card until the end of the turn or the end of the next turn. And that's great, um, you know, especially for like 1v1 formats. Uh, but in EDH, uh, which obviously, you know, a four of us most predominantly play, it's not that great because the games just tend to go on for uh, a super long time. And so having that use it or lose it type you know, feeling whenever you actually get to draw cards is, uh, kind of bad. So, this card I love, it's an uncommon, so hopefully I'll be able to cop one in my, uh, lore hold, uh, seated pack.
1: You, uh, you think this is going in your Mardu Spells Matter deck? Oh, e- easily, easily. Just like Sunforger, this
3: is going <laughs> in every red and white deck I make from now until the end of
0: time.
2: Bring us home, Julian oh wait julian already went everyone already went i'm stupid as hell
0: yeah so i will uh i'll take us home like you said eric i'll i'll volunteer to do that thing even though it's it's my job um god i really should just uh i should just like pre-record the the outro and like just be able to like put it in so that you know Well, you don't want it to sound wanna, the it's same so every much time. More you fun.
2: personal you want you want to vibe with it
0: exactly 100 percent. like it wouldn't it wouldn't. It, you know, it's just so much less fun if I'm not sleep deprived and delirious. <laughs> um, yeah, so the Hex Drinkers—that's us. Uh, you probably want to find us other places because we just we have so much good content that you want to you want to find it. So you're already listening to the podcast. You probably found it on either Anchor or Apple Podcasts or Spotify. But it's on some other platforms, um, you know, basically wherever else you might find better podcasts. Uh, it's also on our website. Maybe you found us uh, through our website somehow. You were just randomly googling Hex Drinkers, and uh, we'd
1: pop up. Hex Drinkers is peaking right now at forty nine dollars a copy, so you might have found us by accident.
0: If you send us your copy of uh, Hex Drinker, uh, whether it's foil, non foil, uh, a different, uh, a language, whatever, however many copies you have, if you send them to us, we'll sign them one hundred percent. You can get. Uh, just your favorite member, a.k.a. me, to sign, or you can get all four of us. Um, yeah, so uh, hexdrinkers.com, that's uh, that's where you might find our content, but if you want to get at us about those those signing, uh, you, you hit us up uh, either on the Twitter, at hexdrinkers, the uh, the Instagram, at hexdrinkers, or, or maybe maybe you even want to send us an email, at hexdrinkers at gmail.com. You could do that. Um, our offer still stands. If you send us a deck tech, uh, we will do an entire episode of the podcast about it. Because we uh, are lazy and starve for content, so uh, and we just love interacting with the fans, of course, and we love talking about decks. And lastly, if you want to actually see our faces in conjunction with our voices, you should check us out on Twitch and on YouTube. Uh, it's all at the Hex Drinkers. Everything's at Hex Drinkers. Find X Y Z platform um, and search the Hex Drinkers, and you'll probably find us. And if you don't, they're fake, and that's the truth, Ruth. This has been Jules, and for Eric, Oak, and Chev, we're signing out. Whenever I say that, I always get like the uh, like the beginning of Mario
2: Kart where it's like
0: do do, do 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 do
2: I mean that's just yeah, how you exactly. should count it down from now on. No numbers, just dudes.